0: Our next reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. It's on page 857 in the Pew Bible. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And then verse 19. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Sovereign God, we pray you'd be pleased now to send your spirit upon us. Put away from us all the distractions that would keep us from hearing your voice. Give us grace, Father, that we would hear your word, believe it, Obey it. Rejoice in it. For Jesus' sake. Amen. amen. Please be seated. Once again, welcome to MetroCrest. Thank you for being here with us. It's, it's always a special joy at Christmas time because we have lots of old friends and family and extended family who are joining us. And I want to extend a very special welcome uh, to each of you uh, who's with us, perhaps for the very first time. We're always glad to have new friends Here with us, and so welcome, welcome. Um, We're looking tonight at a very familiar passage. Uh, Just by way of opening up, I I want to uh, comment on that hymn we just sang Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I love that hymn. It's one of my favorite old hymns. It's one of the ones that I've sung many, many times over the years. I imagine you have as well. Uh, It's a Wesleyan hymn with uh, great theology, but I always chuckle at the first line because. In seminary, uh, my wife Leslie can affirm this, I I went to seminary with a man named uh, Harold Cobb. He was a wonderful friend. He lived down the hall from me, and we became very good friends. And he always used to say that this this hymn was very special to him because he shows up in the opening line. Hark the herald angels sing. And uh, every time I sing it now, I think of my friend Harold. And the whole choir of Harold's around the world Uh, lifting their voices with angels praising God for the coming of Jesus. Uh, As a matter of fact we've been looking for several Sundays at uh, this idea of hymns of praise. Uh, We've been looking at the first couple of chapters actually the first chapter of uh, Luke's gospel which is composed primarily of a series of hymns. Uh, Tonight uh, we're going to be looking not at a hymn but at the prelude to a hymn because on sunday we'll be looking at one of the most beautiful and moving of all the hymns where all the herald angels sing praise to god for the gift of christ we're going to be looking at the the prelude to that the reason for that really we're going to be looking at why the angels sing and it turns out the angels sing because of a birth we'll see that on sunday but tonight we just read the, the very simple, the, the, the sparsest possible description, really, of the birth of this baby that has been talked about all through chapter 1 and will be sung about all through chapter 2 and through the rest of this gospel and through the rest of time, voices in praise to God for this unique birth. It's a beautiful story. It's as simple as it is beautiful, isn't it? I mean, it's the facts themselves are so simple. Uh, in fact, the, th- the only things that make them anything but simple are the details that Luke goes to great trouble to record. Uh, Luke, for instance, in chapter 2, verse 1, records the fact that Caesar Augustus was on the throne in Rome. Uh, he ruled the whole known world. And to this day, you can go and and see the Rome where Augustus lived. He was anchored in history. He wasn't mythological. He was a real person. Uh, I'm told you can visit Augustus's grave. He was a real person, anchored in time and space. And Luke takes time not only to record the great Caesar Augustus, but a governor named Quirinius. Uh, there's debate about Quirinius, when exactly he ruled. There are scholars who debate exactly what period of time Quirinius ruled as the governor of Syria I read a very interesting article that showed how this actually lines up historically with the story of Augustus Uh, there's some scholarly debate about that but it's interesting how archaeology so often confirms what the Bible tells us and archaeologists have pointed out how Quirinius the governor is also documented and it's also shown how during one of his governorships in uh, Judea, uh, there was in fact a registration, a lesser known registration, but a registration nevertheless. The word translated registration is tied to the idea of taxation. Um, In fact, in the King James Version, it talks about taxes. The registration of Quirinius was tied to the taxation policy of Augustus. Augustus wanted to know all the people, all the wealth of his empire. And so this uh, registration was intended to make it easier for Augustus to collect the money that was used to build the forum that you can see in Rome to this day, contributing to the enormous wealth of Rome, And so uh, all these little details about Augustus and Quirinius, about the cities, Galilee, the region where uh, Joseph was from, the town of Nazareth. Again, archaeology confirms that there really was a town of Nazareth. It was a tiny place, 60 acres, they think, a tiny, tiny town with a few hundred people, just a blip in history. And yet it was there in Nazareth where Joseph lived. And his betrothed, Mary, lived. It was there where the angel gave the incredible news of what would happen to Mary and what would happen through her. Again, a a little detail that Luke goes to great pains. Why does he go to these pains? Because he's anchoring what he's saying in time and space. He was very concerned that you and I, even today, 2,000 years later, that we would know these little things anchored what we read about here, not in mythology, not in theological dreaming, but in history. And so we read these details we read about Joseph's genealogy. He was of the house and lineage of David. That was very important because it ties into a lot of the other promises we read in the rest of the Bible. The fact that God would raise up through the house and through the lineage of David was extremely important. So Luke records it. We read finally down in, in the last couple of verses, verse 6 that the time came for Mary to give birth. And then in, in this incredible throwaway line, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths. These little blankets that they still use. Go to the hospital and there's a newborn. Likely is not the baby's going to, wrapped, going to be wrapped in these little little blankets. And this baby... Like so many other babies, came into the world with a very ordinary beginning and in so many ways, anchored in time and space, not born in a Roman palace, but but born in a in a little town. Because there was no room for him in the inn, he was born in a manger. Such a simple story, such a beautiful story, so many beautiful details. And we get so used to these details that sometimes over the years we quit thinking about them. Uh, But it's wonderful to see children here tonight who are really just hearing these details and hearing these stories for the very first time. They're just beginning to get their minds around the remarkable thing that Luke is writing about, the birth of this baby who came into the world in fulfillment to centuries and millennia of promises stretching across the ages. I've added a verse that I want to focus on for just a moment. Verse 19. How did anyone know all the details in chapter 2, verses 1 to 7? How did people know there was no room in the inn? How did people know where all of this happened? Well, the reason we know about it today is because of verse 19. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. See, very few people would know exactly what happened when they got to Bethlehem. Only a handful of people would have had firsthand knowledge of what happened that cold night when the holy couple came into Jerusalem, into Bethlehem, And they found that there was no place in an inn for them to stay. That detail would have been unknown to us were it not for the fact that the mommy remembered it. Um, My wife and daughter are big baby book fans. (laughs) And uh, they write down the little details of their children. And it's a wonderful thing over the years to go back and read these little details. Well, in a way, this chapter of Luke is a little bit like Mary's baby book Uh, she writes down or she has written down she tells and these things are recorded for her these these things which it says she had treasured and pondered Uh, tonight just briefly I'd like for us to think about those two things these amazing facts and the fact that they were treasured and they were pondered and then I'd like to give you a challenge. As we conclude in just a couple of minutes. Uh, First of all. Mary treasured. She treasured these things. It says. um, In verse 19. She treasured up all these things. She treasured up. The details of Jesus' birth. She treasured up. The story of his humble beginning. She treasured up the things we're going to look at on Sunday morning. T- uh, this, this coming Sunday. When we read about the angels. She treasured those things up. She treasured up all these things. The word treasured up in Greek. <coughs> is sunatereo, sunatereo. Uh, it's a Greek compound of two Greek words. Sun. Or sun. Uh, which means together. And uh, Terio, which means to guard or keep or preserve. So Mary kept these things together. She treasured them. She guarded them. She kept them. She preserved them. And you and I know these facts tonight because Mary guarded them. They were dear to her. They were important to her. They fulfilled things the angels had told to her. And so she treasured them. What a beautiful picture of a mother, a young mother with all the questions of new birth in front of her, plus a whole bunch of other questions. How can this be, she asked the angel. Those questions must have been in her heart from the moment he was born. What could this mean? And so she treasures up the things she sees and hears and does. She treasures them, guards them, protects them, keeps them, and She passes them along over time to others. And it makes the way to Luke. And Luke passes those things across the centuries to you and me. These things have been preserved and passed on from Christian to Christian to Christian to Christian. Across the ages and around the world. And you and I are the beneficiaries tonight of these treasures you know i i think treasure is a a good way to describe these facts these stories these realities that mary observed they are to be treasured they're precious i think the older i get the more precious they become and one of the things that makes them so precious is seeing little ones beginning to think about it beginning to reflect on it to To treasure for themselves these precious stories, these precious truths, these precious facts. The other night we had a Christmas pageant in this room. Let me tell you, it was was a very different scene than tonight. Uh, You all are sitting here behaving very properly. Well, uh, it was a little less uh, like that the other night during the Christmas pageant. As we had little ones running all over the place, we had straw all over the room. It's been vacuumed about three times. Um... It's a beautiful thing to see these little ones getting the story, getting the facts. So they too can treasure them. I've actually called this first point treasuring joy. Because they're not simply facts. They are facts. But they're facts with enormous significance because they are anchored in the scriptures. Because they are anchored in the the promises of God through the angels. These are joyful things that Mary treasured. She treasured these joyful facts and has passed them down through the centuries to you and me. So, treasuring joy. I want to hold and keep and protect and preserve these truths for the next generation and the generations to come while we wait on Jesus. I want to treasure those things for my kids and your kids And the the kids not yet born to know the good news, the joyful news of Christmas and why it matters. Treasuring joy, that's what Mary did. She treasured joy. She also, it says, pondered joy. It says she treasured up all these things, verse 19, pondering them in her heart. Pondering them. I've actually called tonight's sermon, Pondering Joy. I wonder if we ponder Christmas enough. Do we actually ponder the joyful news of Jesus' birth? I mentioned a moment ago the etymology of the Greek word, uh, sunterio, which means treasuring. Let me give you another Greek word with another etymology. It's assume balausa. And those don't sound very similar, but they're actually based on the same Greek uh, preface. uh, The the opening syllable is the same Greek word, soon. It means together. And ballo, which means to throw. So what it actually means is uh, throwing something together in such a way that you you deal with it, you compare it, you contrast it. Uh, We might say wrestle with it. You throw it together on purpose and there's this process of thinking about it and reflecting on it. I wonder if we think about and reflect on the birth of Jesus enough. Do we really ponder the, the meaning of what Jesus did when he came into the world? Theologians call it the incarnation. It's a big word, a, 25 cent word to describe this miraculous joyful thing that that Christ came into the world he was born among us and so Mary treasured that and she pondered it she reflected on it she thought about it yes she even wrestled with it we'll see later on she wrestles with it in in terms of what it would mean for her son She wrestled with it perhaps all the way to the cross. You know, the the only person we read about who was there the day Jesus was born and who was there the day Jesus died and was also there the day he rose again was his mama. It was his mother. Only she saw his entire human life from birth to death. She was at his cross as he died. Can you imagine how she wrestled with that? How she pondered that? And then a few days later she was there when Jesus was raised again. She was among those who were witnesses to Jesus' resurrection. The, The other women at the tomb, Mary was... There for all of Jesus' life. And she pondered. She pondered the significance of what happened to her son. She sumbaloosed these things. She wrestled with them. She pondered them. She pondered what she treasured. Well, I'd like to ponder and and wrestle with what we treasure as well. Uh, Tonight, we've got you a Christmas present. Come to church at MetroCrest. You get a Christmas present, Okay. We've got a Christmas present for you. It's called The Case for Christmas. Uh, I bumped into this little book. I've read it. I very, very highly recommend it. It's written by Lee Strobel, uh, the same man who wrote The Case for Christ, which is a longer book. This is a short book. You can read this in a couple of hours. In fact, this would be a great thing to do over the Christmas holidays because what Strobel does is as a good investigative journalist, that's what he does for a living, what he did for a living, Uh, Now he writes Christian books. But for a long time, he worked for newspapers as an investigative journalist. And so as an investigative journalist, he goes and he wrestles with the facts of Jesus' birth. He actually goes through as an investigative journalist and tries to pick out the story. Did this happen? Does this make sense? Well, I commend it to you. Read it. It's a short read. It's a very, very helpful read. Maybe you come here tonight not really sure what you think about this story. it's possible to come to church, be at church even for a long time, and, and, and not be a hundred percent sure what to make of the story of jesus birth. It is very possible to wrestle a long time with these facts, to wrestle a long time with the significance of jesus birth well. This book might help you understand a little better what those facts tell us. The significance of those facts, not only for Mary's life, not only for her time, but for our time. For each of us to wrestle with what Jesus accomplished when he came into the world to be born in order to die. And Strobel does a fantastic job. We've got plenty of copies. Take one. In fact, I'm going to give them away again on Sunday. Take a couple of copies. We would love to have people reading this book and thinking, pondering the facts of Jesus' birth this Christmas. Uh, You know... Christmas is tomorrow. We've got so many wonderful things to look forward to. We'll be hopefully having a a great day. I hope you're with family and friends. I hope you'll have a wonderful Christmas day. But let me encourage you this Christmas day to ponder the significance of it, to to look past the snowmen and the reindeer and the elves, look past Santa and the tree and all the fun things we enjoy about Christmas and ponder anew what Mary pondered. Ponder anew what Christians through the centuries have pondered. The birth of this baby who came into the world to accomplish something so extraordinary that the angels in heaven sang about it. Would you bow your heads with me, please, as we pray for just a moment? Holy Father, thank you for this chance to be together tonight. Thank you so much, Lord for the great joy we have in Christ. Heavenly Father, we pray that You would please send Your Spirit upon us so that we might treasure these things and we might ponder these things, that that we might join with Mary and the angels and Your people through the ages as we reflect and wrestle with what You have done for us in Christ. And Father, if there's one single person in this room who's unconvinced I pray this little book might help them. If there's one single person who's not 100% sure what to make of Jesus, that you would send your spirit, Father, upon them and help them and bless them and draw them to yourself, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to do something now that is very special to us. We're going to uh, light up these candles that you hopefully received when you arrived. Uh, in just a moment, the deacons and others will go through the room and, and light these candles, we'll dim the lights, and we will sing uh, one of a couple, will listen to an offering of music, and then we'll sing Silent Night. Um, be sure to uh, hold the candle straight and uh, don't drip wax. It's a booger to get out. Uh, so try to keep it in the little cup. And at the end, Uh, The service, there are receptacles in the back of the church where you can take the uh, candle, separate it from the plastic holder, and put those in the uh, receptacles at the back. But in the meantime, I want to read to you one more passage of the Scriptures. If you would, please stand. I'm going to read from the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament contains the promises... That are fulfilled in the New Testament. And Jesus and Mary. Would have known these promises. They would have known the passage we're going to look at now. And they would have lived to see these words fulfilled. I'm reading from Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 and verse 6. The prophet Isaiah writes. The people who walked in darkness. Have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace.